of that, she was a parliamentary secretary at DEFRA, and it's always good to have a friend there. She has a secret in the fact that she also produces apples, and I remember her father, Tim Boswell, who was a special advisor, and we always used to talk about plums. So, Minister, thank you for coming. Uh, we're delighted you could open the show. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, it's lucky I was called Victoria. I could have been called Zar or Marjorie Seedling, which were the other two crops we grew at home when I was growing up. Um, so it is an enormous honour and pleasure to open this 88th National Fruit Show. We're here to celebrate the success of the fruit industry. The value of fruit produced in the UK exceeded £1 billion last year for the first time. Orchard fruit increased in value by 23% and soft fruit increased in value, though not volume, by 14%. And we had a really good year for exports, up 9%. And that's very much an area that we in government want to continue to work with growers to expand. But, it has to be said, as Theresa said, I, I am a fruit grower, I know that it has been a very challenging time. And not just the weather, we've also had to contend with the pandemic and effects of that, and of course with the effects of leaving the EU. Um, and what I really wanted to do today is to reassure you that the ministerial team in DEFRA, which has both the top fruit representative and a soft fruit representative in our Secretary of State on it is very keen to work with the industry to support you through these difficult times. With Labour, to start with the, our biggest issue at the moment, I understand only too well that we aren't just worried about the crop we've got, we're worried about the crop we've never planted because we're concerned about Labour and it is important that that does not hold us back as an industry. The seasonal workers pilot is aimed at helping us adjust our needs as we work towards a new way of doing horticulture. The government is very much encouraging you to make employment more attractive to the domestic market through training and wages, which I know have increased enormously, and through investment in automation. I would encourage everybody to go and look at um, the machine which assists pickers in delivering the fruit to the bin beautifully down that end of the hall. We're leading a government review of automation at the moment to see how that we can accelerate this change. You'll have seen the steps we've taken to assist the road haulage sector in both encouraging new entrants and also in um, encouraging people not to leave the industry at the other end. We are keen to work with growers to do the same sort of thing in horticulture. The, um, moving on to the Fruit and Veg Aid, aid Scheme, which, as you all know, provides useful support, we guarantee funding for producer organisations for the remainder of their programmes. We want to make the transition to the new schemes as smooth as possible. There will be some changes to the actions in the future, but we guarantee that the overall amount in the pot will remain at the current levels for producer organisations. The Farming Innovation Programme, and shortly I hope to announce the Farming Investment Fund, is, a, is there to support R&D to transform productivity um, and support the drive to net zero as well. I would encourage those who are interested to look at our future farming blog, very many details on there. And finally, the Horticultural Levy, 
I know you're all waiting to hear your consult later this year. Um, we will respect the ballot results, but we won't shut down the activities that you need in brief. Um, shortly we will be announcing the final levy in its current form, and please do engage with the consultation. Thank you very, very much for having me today. I think this is an exciting time for fruit in the UK. As you know, we only produce 16% of the fruit that we eat here. It is delicious, nutritious, convenient food, loved by all ages. We need to promote it. We will do everything we can in DEFRA to do that. And we look forward to a really bright future for fruit farms very possibly going back to the mixed farm model that I, I was brought up with in many cases, but making fruit very much an active, growing part of British agriculture. Thank you very much, Minister, for formally opening the show. I'd now like to pass to Tom Bradshaw. Tom is Vice President of the NFU. He farms in Essex, combinable crops, and a contractor side, and we're very grateful to have a strong support and lobbyist on our side. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much, Theresa. Look, what a fantastic celebration of everything in British, uh, in the British fruit industry we have here today in the heart of the Garden of England. I know it's been a very challenging season, from the frost in April through to the concern about whether or not we're going to have the labour required to pick the crop. And I guess all I can give you is my sympathies. I'm, you know, I can't, can't go backwards, we've got to look forwards. But we absolutely have an industry which is a tipping point. You know, we're in the midst of the perfect storm of inflationary pressure, whether that be energy costs, packaging costs, haulage, wages, or the, and we still have the retail price war going on. This isn't, that, that inflationary pressure isn't uh, creating a very positive outlook unless something can change. These costs simply cannot be borne by the producer. They have to go up the supply chain and then retailers will have to decide what they're going to do with those increased costs and ultimately it's likely to be passed on to the consumer. But even when the biggest, uh, but even then, if we manage to sort out the inflationary pressures, the biggest concern would remain and that's the availability of labour. Where will the highly skilled, well-paid, seasonal workforce come from? I'm afraid I still haven't had a positive answer on that. And we all want to look at how we can recruit from the UK workforce. But I also think it's going to be incredibly challenging to find that seasonal workforce from here in the UK. And we have to recognise how different that workforce is. It's been coming in since the Second World War. We have been very reliant on them. They're hardworking. They're a critical part of getting the food from the farm to forth. And we shouldn't be talking, talking about them as a low-skilled workforce. We call on government to urgently expand the seasonal workers pilot um, to make it permanent and to expand in numbers. This will help bring some confidence to the sector, a sector which at the moment is bereft of confidence as to what the future looks like. We urgently need those decisions so you can make reinvestment decisions and you can look forward with more confidence. The British horticultural industry is one that we should all be incredibly proud of. There's a great opportunity for growth. We heard Victoria say we only produce 16% of the fruit uh, in, in the weed in this country. So there is a great opportunity for growth. It's an absolutely critical part of a healthy diet. But Minister, we need the government to give this industry confidence, to give this sector confidence. That starts with a seasonal worker scheme, but it's also about an enabling regulatory framework that enables our businesses here to be competitive into the future and for the next decade. Thank you.
uh, now I have a very nice duty to ask Sarah to hand over. Tom Bradshaw, say hello to everyone on our networks, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, uh, in the UK and internationally. Good morning everyone, brilliant to join you from the National Fruit Show. And can you just give a bit of background as to yourself? As I was just saying before we um, set up, I, I hear you a lot um, on our media, and I, and I all credit to you because you're such a consummate uh, perform, performer, um, narrator of what we're seeing in the, in the agriculture and the fresh produce scene. But can you just give a little bit of background on yourself to everyone, please? Yeah, so I, I'm farming in partnership with my wife and parents in Essex. It's actually now an arable farm, uh, so we're not growing horticultural crops. I'm also lucky enough to be NFU, or National Farmers Union, Vice President, yeah. and I guess in that I cover the horticultural brief in that Labour is in my brief, and so I've had to, over the last 18 months, learn a lot. Yeah, and where you, again, where you're very good, you've just been put on the spot in the, in the press briefing. The, God, does the sector need representation at the, um, at, at, at the moment? Um, it, it, we, we seem to be in a bit of a sort of a doom and gloom scenario where we are. We've got uh, labour issues, haulage issues, margin issues, but we do need the likes of yourself and the NFU to, to keep on driving home the issues that we've got so that the likes of government and Joe Public um, are aware. Do, do you think the NFU can do this? Do you think with your professional lobby you can actually make a difference in the sectors? No, I think we have already made a big difference. If you look at the seasonal worker scheme, getting it to 30,000, yeah. those things are big wins. Um, so we are making a difference, but look, I'm not going to pretend. It's not easy out there at the moment. It's probably the most challenging um, sort of set of circumstances we've ever seen for the fresh produce sector with inflation running high and a shortage of labour across the sector, HTV drivers as you say. But what I really want people to, to understand is the value of what we've got behind us. You know, fresh fruit and, and vegetables is something that, that the diet we need in our diet, the society has an absolute requirement for. And we just need to make sure that government understand the value of what we're producing. Yeah. It's not something you can simply import and expect it to be of the same quality. And at a time of climate change and political instability, taking our eye off food security now, I think would be the worst thing we could ever do as a country. And Tom, well said, we are in a zeitgeist for fresh produce, agricultural uh, uh, consumption. Uh, why, why do you think growers get such a poor margin in, in the sector? That we've got an incredibly powerful retail network in the UK uh, that they've got this price war which has been going on for years now. I guess it's over a decade really they've been fighting for, for market share. Uh, at the moment this inflationary pressure is so great there's no way that we can stomach that at a production level. It has got to go up the supply chain and this is, you know, we're, we really are I believe in a turning point where either retail values what's being produced here in the country and they might need a little prod from government as well to say come on guys this is you know, fair trading, fair margins, farmers need a fair return and if they don't look at this rationally then I am really concerned as to what the future looks like so you know I, I think it's there's going to be some incredibly intense negotiations about pricing for next year but I'm very clear that this this price inflation cannot be stomached on time. Absolutely and if you look at the oddities um, say last Christmas with some of the discounters do deep bog off uh, buy one get one free offers um, on the likes of uh, vegetables on the run up to Christmas that's the harvest uh, for, for that for that period we do need to see this price inflation we, we were talking earlier how we, we think that the retailers get that and are looking to do that but do you think they are they going to work independently or are they going to work as whole just like we would say with the petrol prices they all had to, to raise their prices do you think that the retailers will look to pass that on um, together as one or will one break free and, and, and be worried about the implications that's going to happen to do, do we need to see a collective from these retailers 
No, they can't work collectively because of the competition law, so there's no way they'll work collectively. They're all fighting for, for market share. But look, in a strange way, the tightening in the marketplace at the moment with haulage availability, with you know, fruit going wasted because we haven't got enough pickers, could just tighten this market towards Christmas and mean that the buy one, get one freeze aren't available because there simply isn't enough product in the, in the marketplace. So it, it might be one of these things that actually nearly cures itself because they can't afford to do the buy one, get one freeze because they might not have the supply. So look, I, I just hope that, that everyone looks at this rationally and that they, you know, they see the importance of of their farmers, to them as as, um, retailers, they can't sell it unless they've got farmers producing it. And ultimately, farmers have got to be profitable, otherwise they can't reinvest for the future. And this is a sector that's got huge opportunity for growth, but to grow, we're going to need to be profitable, we're going to need the people in place, and we're going to need a supportive policy framework that enables businesses to be competitive. And and Tom, as we sort of indicated, you and your colleagues at the NFU are great, but you do need help. How can farmers, how can growers help you to get what everyone needs in the sector? How can we help you? Look, I always say that the, the, the most authentic voice is that of, a, of the producer knocking on the door of the MP and making sure that the MP genuinely understands what's going on in their business. Yeah. And we're in Kent today, look, it's, this is the Garden of Eden as, as far as fresh uh, fruit production is. And, and I, I hope all these Kent MPs genuinely understand what it means for, for those farmers producing this fruit around here yeah. if they don't, you know, if the market doesn't respond in the way it needs to. So you've got to get in touch with your MP, write to them, ask for meetings, yeah. and make sure they genuinely understand. Well, that's a fantastic point. We did a recent broadcast with British growers, the NFU, um, with Adi Kappa, and the um, Royal Horticultural Society on a trade delegation they did to New Zealand in um, uh, early 2020. Very successful trade delegation. I asked them at the end of the broadcast, uh, where would you like to, your next trade delegation to be? And the uh, fantastic chap from the R. RHS said, we want next trade delegation to be in the UK, we want Boris to come on a tour of all the farms and growers in the UK to get an understanding as to what we do and why we're so important. Trade delegation in the UK, I know that's a, a bit of a, a, a facetious answer in a positive manner, but it would be, so you're recommending that we engage with our politicians to show them how important this sector is to create that change. So, you know, the NFU are engaging at the top levels of government, and uh, you know, but there's nothing more authentic than a, than a farmer who's really feeling the pain, speaking to their MP, looking them in the whites of their eyes and saying, look, this is difficult. Yeah, you need to sort this out, otherwise we will not be here. And that's when they start to feel the pressure. Okay, and I'm guessing that the NFU can assist those growers. If they're a bit bit skeptical, they just need some assistance, even media training. Look, 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 look at yourself. Um, that if these growers and farms engage with the NFU, you'll be able to steal them and give, give them a hand. A- absolutely. Because we need to we need to collaborate. Yeah, our door is always open, uh, but you've got your regional advisors, you know, your county advisors. Please get in touch. They will do everything they can to help you to make sure that you're engaging in the right way. But uh, you know, MPs are, are human, uh, and you know yep. they're, they're they're real people. And actually, they'll understand. Yeah, they'll, they'll want to speak to you. And uh, and actually, if they come out on the farm and see what's going on, see how you're delivering for the environment at the same time as producing this fresh fruit, yeah, it's an incredible story. Well done, Tom. Um, National Fruit Show. It's going to be a great uh, couple of days. What's your favourite fruit? Oh, my favourite fruit. I think. Uh, there's nothing better than a, than a lovely, fresh, crunchy apple, isn't it? So, uh, and my, my little boy, I've got a four-year-old, he'll have three apples a day. So, really? you know, Excellent. he absolutely loves his fruit. Excellent. So, yeah. Let's go for that. Tom, you've been brilliant. Thank you Cheers. very much. Right. Thank you. Sarah, where are we? <laughs> so this is the National Fruit Show. This is the 88th National Fruit Show. 88. 88. Um, so and, you, and you've got a family connection going, going to help so, other. Uh, yeah, in 1933, you had the Marlin District uh, Plowing Association, Agricultural Society, and they, need, they decided all the apple growers in there to impress the buyer from Selfridges. 
So they got together on somebody's farm, they packed up bushel baskets full of their fruit, they got the buyer from Selfridges down, showed him all the gorgeous fruit, took him to the pub, got him absolutely wasted, made him sign a contract and popped him back on a train back to London. And that is how the growers started producing this gorgeous, gorgeous display of commercial fruit to wow the buyers to really profile British apples and pears. And the, the vibe I'm getting, oh, we've gone over there, we, the, the, vibe, <laughs> the vibe I'm getting is that, um, um, is that Everyone is actually very, very positive. It's that whole face-to-face -face thing. Nice to see people oh, again. It's the, been an absolute joy putting and, this together. And that's, that's been the people coming in, as yeah. well as all the exhibitors. Yeah, it's one of the joys about this show. This isn't a commercial show in terms of we're not making massive amounts of profit over people taking a stand. We don't charge people to come through the door. Yeah. The whole idea on this is that we pay for even it. Even the coffee's free. Even the coffee's free. Uh, lovely, lovely coffee. Um, so basically we want people to be able to come. We want as many companies as possible that want to meet as many growers as possible. So we keep the cost of stands down, we keep the, the gate fee negligible so there's no fee to come in. And it just means that everybody is here. So this pays for itself. Any excess goes into an education fund. So then we're paying, yeah, we're paying them this wonderful group of, of, of teachers to go out into schools to talk about the apple industry, about basic messaging. An apple a day is really good for you about everything that goes on in the orchard, so how beneficial the industry is sustainably um, for the UK economy, but also for the UK environment. So really strong messages, and we start from you know, reception years upwards. So we go from basically early years foundation skills, key stage one through to four, because we then have a careers programme as well. Yeah. Um, and where I'm very impressed, in comparison to some other shows that I will not name, cereals, um, that was, uh, they, were, they were taken over two, three years ago by a French um, marketing agency. And they were so surprised at cereals that uh, the, um, uh, the, there was no political involvement. Whilst in France, all the politicians get involved. Here, who opened this show? So we had Victoria Prentice this morning, one of our ministers. Um, she is the daughter of a plum and fruit grower. She has orchards of her own. She, along with um, the, the um, gosh, with George Eustace, who is a soft fruit grower, it does mean that we have people who really do understand this industry in the top of government. Obviously, we know there's a very strong argument going on at the moment around seasonal labour, around, around that whole skilled labour agenda. We cannot continue to call this an unskilled role because it's not, because the profitability of the industry completely depends on that person that makes the decision at the tree. So we've got to stop talking about this being an unskilled temporary job. It's not. We need skilled temporary labour force, and that has to come from abroad. It just we proven this season, cannot recruit it from at home. And uh, on the back of Victoria, we had Tom Bradshaw, deputy of so the... So Tom Bradshaw, telling it how it is, really, very strong messaging from the NFU, very, very strong messaging on actually how we would solve some of our skills issues, and again, he made the very strong point around it being a skilled job, picking fruit on actually working within horticulture and farming in the UK. Okay, so we're only a few hours in, but the, but the vibe is very good. Um, do you think that do you think this this type of show is actually going to create change, not only in the respect of growers engaging with the, with the exhibitors, but with the likes of the lobbying that we do? This is most this. definitely. So we've had the BBC political team here this morning. We've had BBC regional radio, but actually that's well syndicated yeah, yeah. through the key growing areas. Um, we've had all the major trade press publications, and we know that they're really well linked. So if we can put stories in our good end of the trade press, actually that will propagate through into the wider press industry. We have a really really good photographer. He is Press Association linked, so he's actually been sending photographs into the Nationals for us this lunchtime. Again, giving the messaging around quality British fruit, the sustainability messaging, very simple stuff going, the best decision for you and for the environment is to buy a British apple or pear and forget about the imported. Yeah. And it's about supporting the industry. Yeah. And it is that value proposition that is better quality and it's a, you know, a really well-structured 
heritage industry. I mean, we don't talk about heritage because we feel it's a bit sort of thicker baskets and rapier. Yeah, but it is heritage. You look around here, Max, people have been winning the prizes. They are fifth, sixth generation businesses. I'm, I'm a sixth generation grower. My great great uncle helped found this thing. His name's on the building in the middle of the County Agricultural Society show, yeah, the showground. And I am a significant date next year, um, and I've only missed eight of these shows in my lifetime. So my great uncle, great uncle, so great great uncle helped set it up. My great uncle spent 29 years on the committee. My dad was a steward. When I was 14, I packed my first entry onto the show display. You know, I've done quite a lot of this show, um, and it is important. I have grown up with this, and I'm as of my peer group, and you can see them now. Winning prizes on the display. They're speaking at the conference in a moment. People like James Smith, you know, people who are fifth, sixth generation growers, and that is the real value proposition in this industry. So. You have the passion for this sector. Good God, that's shown through through, <laughs> through this show. What's the halcyon call that you want to put out to the network that's watching this, whether that be retailers, whether that be customers, whether that be other suppliers? Is it to support this sector? This is the industry to put your money behind. Um, there's a report here that everybody can um, look at from British Apples and Pears. They can download as well from the British Apples and Pears website. Um, put together by Professor Louise Manning of the Royal Agricultural University, Sirencester. And that is, you know, it's a, we surveyed 75% of the British orchards and looked at it for sustainability, how they are managing their environment, how they're looking at sustainable energy sourcing, how they are investing in orchards that are more productive, producing better quality, more nutritious fruit for the British public. And it is a very, very strong statement that there is not any, any need going forward to be any quality that have it from the UK. You know, um, the industry has stated that they will have, we, we are aspiring to have 60% market share by 2030. We have the trees in the ground, we have the technology to do a lot of, you know, a input substitution program, and we now have a very strong declaration from growers about their environmental potentials to do so. So we're hitting the UN Sustainable Development Goals, we're hitting the government's goals around carbon sequestration and management of the environment. This is public good. You know, this industry is very much about public good. There you go, this is public good. Support Sarah, support the National Fruit Show, support fruit growers in the UK. And it'll be this week, next year, so the 20th of October next year, we'll be back up here, um, and every year. We're planning our 90th in two years' time, but our 100th in 12 years' time, and we will be here. Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to come down here, Phil. Lovely to see everybody, thank you. Thank you. No, no, did you know? Because I will get a box. <laughs> uh, we have a wooden box behind uh, I wasn't joking, was joking. Right, okay. introduce yourself to a few thousand people. Um, oh, hello, I am Kirk Siderman Walter, Chief Operating Officer of Agri Centre. So I've just, um, we just bumped into Sarah Carcass and she said, you need to speak to Kirk. Um, no introduction, no nothing. Uh, and she just said, get on with it. So, so you and the National Fruit Show, why are you here? What, what's the magic you're creating with the National Fruit Show and all of its members and growers and exhibitors? What's your magic? Uh, our magic is we help technology, agricultural technology, to scale up to commercialization. So okay. we help UK companies to bring their products and services to the agricultural market. Okay, and, and how? So, 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 hold, so hold my hand. So if I was a, 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 a medium-sized grower and I, and I hadn't come across it before, I'm sure I had, but I hadn't, um, how, how would I be engaging with you? So medium-sized growers will come to us, they can engage in two or three different ways. If they have their own ideas of how to innovate and produce more, if they want to change the layout of their farm, change the layout of their equipment, come to us and we'll work with you to help make that, that vision happen. 
Um, you can support us. We can work with you to bring you into our collaboration, uh, our collection of national farms, where we do near commercial trials to make sure the products are worthy of going out there to be sold. And or you can support technology companies who are trying to bring new products to market. So the technology companies will come come to you. You'll, you'll see what they've got. There. You'll then present it out to, to your connection and to members. To our connection to our members, but we also have facilities. So yeah, okay. we have workshops and laboratories. We have laser labs and satellite uh, connectivity. So we work in sub-Saharan Africa okay. to support financial services and to help uh, subsistence farmers protect their livelihoods. Uh, but it ultimately comes back to the UK because financial services in the UK are underwriting the uh, the insurances to help support sustainable food production globally. Kirk, so just just going back to this example of a medium-sized grower, the, the, what we're picking up is that they are just inundated with a, a huge uh, differential of platforms and technology that they can use and adopt. But then they've got all this data coming at them, and they don't know how to um, to, to to comprehend it, to, to use it, to to create profit from it. Can 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 you assist them with that? Can you do all of that? <laughs> um, I can't do all of that myself. Okay, <laughs> but, but we can we can support. Okay. So we have recently completed what we believe is the first UK-wide survey of technology in agriculture to understand the, where technology is on farm level yep. across all of the four countries which form the UK. So it's done nation by nation specific, but across the whole spectrum. So we can understand who uses what technology and how. We are trying to understand, and the challenge with technology when it is new, is that there are no standards. Yeah. And so we need to understand where is technology heading so we can support in that development and help to get us to a place where there are common standards. So we're also working with the British Standards Institute to ensure that there's policy alignment and we're building those standards so farmers can manage more effectively. We have a sister organization called Agrometrics who deal with data and analytics and they do a huge amount of data analytics for AHDB and all of their farm networks so we can help on okay. that side as well. I wasn't aware of the connection with Agrometrics um, so, so there's a lot of credibility there. You've got a lot of firepower. You've got a, a lot of intellectual firepower. To, okay, go back to my, my, my grower example. So you, you can cut through the fog of um, everything that's out there to give um, so you, you, that grower can come to you and tell you what the problem is and potentially you can tell them what the solution is, that there might be two or three platforms or solutions and to be able to go through that, that with them. That, that is a possibility and funnily enough we have an annual conference coming up okay. for AgriEpi okay. um, where we will be looking at sustainability and how to support farmers in becoming more sustainable and profitable at the same time okay. and what are the technological elements that can be used for that. So, so, yeah. to, to Very how, happy to engage. How, how can people uh, contact you? How can people find out about the conference? So you can find out about the conference, look on our LinkedIn site, our tweet site, uh, agriepicenter.com. Yep. Not an easy one to remember, but agriepicenter.com. You can also access us through the agtechcenter.com website where the sister organizations and ourselves are listed. Excellent. And uh, Sarah wanted me to ask you, what is your favorite UK fresh produce? Dangerous question. Very on, dangerous. On, on, on the basis you're surrounded by some of the best apples and pears in the country. What, uh, and it? I'm also a small grower as well. Oh, so oh, yes, uh, favorite product is apples. Yep. Um, but I do have a soft spot for peaches coming from the Niagara oh. wine region. Oh wow. I also am, well, I'm first crop 
So my first crop is being fermented at the moment for grapes. Oh, up in the northeast of England. So fingers crossed. Right, all round to Kirk's. <laughs> round about Christmas. Excellent. We'll be there. Kirk, brilliant. brilliant. Thank you very much. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. We're Mr. On. Neil McDonald. There'll be so many people out here in the wacky world of the internet. We'll be loving seeing you. Say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you. Uh, the last time I saw you, I think I was uh, I was actually on your kitchen table, not on your kitchen table, at your kitchen table at 5.30 in the morning with uh, some amazing people celebrating your son's... 18th birthday. Uh, uh, a rite of passage, I think. Uh, funny enough, I wasn't there by then. I had flaked. You clearly have more stamina. Yeah, but you were up at 8 o'clock in the morning delivering... Cider to uh, Emily Estates, the Newt. The, 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 yeah. the so, Newt in Somerset. So, so the uh, National Fruit Show... Um, yes. I've just heard you give a very good, eloquent uh, talk on a particular subject. Tell everyone about it, please. Yes, yeah, so I've been here on behalf of the Westwood Company of Fruitiers talking about my Nuffield Farming Scholarship, uh, which took place back in 2014 to 2016. Uh, and I'm really here, was really here to promote and try and find people interested in following that journey and taking up a Nuffield Scholarship. Okay, and where you took your Nuffield trip... Um, you, you did it slightly differently. That you, you, you sort of created your own path. Yes. Yeah, and, so and, and, and word leading the witness, that, that that actually to me was very beneficial to you. Seeing what you've then subsequently got, gone on to done to do, as you indicated in, in your speech, did did Nuffield give you that flexibility to sort of push it around a bit to get to that end, end result? So Nuffield are very good at providing the framework, but you have to make up your own content. Uh, and the framework starts with. Uh, a, the scholars, of which there are normally about 20 a year, all sponsored by different people, often worshipful companies of various things, um, and uh, give you access to uh, the great and the good in politics and National Farmers Union and Country Land and Association and the likes. Uh, you then meet up with your global group of scholars, which takes you to a cohort of somewhere around 60 to 70, and in our case that's an international conference was in Australia. Uh, and you widen again your prospects. So they provide that framework and they give you some leads and some contacts. Beyond that, your chosen subject is your chosen subject and your journey is your journey. Um, and off you trot to go and investigate your own, uh, own finding. Uh, my learnings were not just in my chosen subject, which happened to be uh, orcharding for the cider industry, uh, which a lot of my cohort thought I was just on a global piss-up. Quite frankly, there was some graft going on in there as well. But no, that was my that was my chosen subject. But the benefits of what I learned looking at agriculture globally, uh, discussing things like climate change, water shortages, feeding the world, poverty, uh, give you a very different perspective of just being a humble grower producer and gives you a different angle and certainly transformed my approach to setting up a new business, growing at food and the processing and, and marketing of it. So, Nuffield, big thumbs up. You're highly recommended. Massive thumbs up. So what we're really short of, like so many industries, we're short of research and development. Research and development is a very expensive thing to do and can be very narrow-minded. The joy of a Nuffield is, for that one year whilst you are a Nuffield scholar, you potentially become the global expert in your chosen subject for that moment in time. You've been there, you've done it, you've met the people, your finger is on the pulse. 
And the object of the exercise is for you to come back and use that for your own benefit, but to share your findings with the industry and with others. And that's, again, what I've been trying to do today and continue to do wherever I can. Uh, uh, certainly, the, 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 the fund that is put together for your scholarship is paid back several folds by the efforts you put in thereafter, but willingly done so. And you come back and you provide good practical opportunities for change within your industry. It's not a PhD. This is how do we do this better? How do we do it on an industry level, on a personal level? How can we make it improved financially and quality and all those aspects? So it's wonderfully broad and wonderfully individual. And, and I think Nuffield is very set up for, for practical entrepreneurial people like you. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because when you said PhD, can you imagine anyone give, giving the likes of you and I the, the no. opportunity to do a PhD? You have to write a report at the end of this, uh, Nuffield. Believe me, that so, was worse so, so, than writing so, my dissertation. Shall I get June? You should interview June. June. Who, who's behind you June. Who wrote <laughs> your report? So, so, one of my big learnings in uh, the Nuffield journey was... Uh, Every business is a direct reflection of the person at the top. Yeah. And if you're good at something, your business will be good at something. If you're rubbish at something, your business will be right. I knew I was going to be rubbish at writing a report. So I got some services from people to help me write it. And I think that is true of anybody in business. You've got to try and have strategic partners that get you across the line. So, yes, write a report. It's a Nuffield scholarship. Just Google Nuffield and you'll find it. Um, just to, to wrap up, uh, we had the Victoria Prentice MP and uh, DEFRA uh, State of uh, something uh, who uh, gave the opening speech and she basically intimated that this sector needs to automate. That's how we're going to automate. Um, we then on the bounce had Tom Bradshaw, um, deputy um, of the NFU, who not destroyed her, but just pointed out that we need government help support. Um, otherwise, the sector is going to be on its knees. What, what's your view, please? Well, what, what do we need to do to create success for the sector ongoing? Well, I, I'd love to have the answers. I haven't. My fear, however, is that we constantly rely on governments to make change or create policy to improve our sectors. My fear is they never make exactly the change that you want them to make. Sure, it needs doing. But I think we've got to be a little bit more creative and control of our own destinies a bit more and make that change. Are we doing all we can for brand agriculture? Are we presenting ourselves to our consumers as good people producing good, wholesome food in a good way? Are there things that we can do differently to attract that and to encourage our consumers at, at all price levels to be eating the right food? Yep. Is a government going to do that? No, I think we've got to learn to do it for ourselves. How? I don't have all the answers. Um, I, I'm going to refer to our friend Jeremy Clarkson and Clarkson's Farm, uh, and I'm sure many have done otherwise, but it was a breath of fresh air that somebody with that ability to communicate with the Mockunas could turn around and say, look, this is the laughing stock. this is the reality. It's nonsense. We've got to do something about it. Do you really appreciate what it takes to do this thing? We tend to have this fact, this idea that all farmers drive around in Range Rovers and live like fat cats. You know, it's, it's true, there's some real graft and there's some real cash restraints going on out there, but these are people generally trying to feed you and feed yep. you good quality stuff. We've got to get that change in there somewhere. We've got to get a better relationship with our consumer and stop relying on government to make policy changes that are going to create that. Favourite fresh produce? Favourite UK fresh produce that you like to eat? 
<laughs> and don't touch those pears. Uh, you're, you're, well, you're, we are. You're, you're we set, are. You set the alarms we, we are. We are sat here next to some fantastic fruit. I'm noticing one or two missing, and I'm wondering who the who the pilferers might be. Oh, though, <laughs> there. Uh, but there we go. No, look, I'm an apple man. I, absolutely, I love my apples to bits. Uh, I really don't like an apple that doesn't come straight off a tree. But that's because I'm spoiled rotten. Um, we obviously turning pretty much all of our apples into liquid uh, for the cider industry or juice. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it's got to be about apples for me. Neil, you've been fantastic. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Gentlemen, hello. Say hello to the world. Hello, hello, hello. hello. So hello where, Max. Where are we? Come on, let's sell, sell, sell the dream of the show. This is the National Fruit Show in Detling, just outside Maidstone in Kent, which is the premier and best fruit show in all of the UK. It's very good, isn't it?
think that commodity varieties are always going to be under pressure. That's that's not a new thing. That's been around for a while. It's just got it's just got worse with the inflationary uh, pricing. I think strategy really for us is to try and where we can diversify out into our own kind of branded varieties as well. Okay. Create some kind of control over the kind of position of them in the market for us. But um, I think the other big thing is obviously the labour piece, which is you know we've got the inflationary piece going on here, but then just the availability of labour actually to then go and pick our crop and pack our crop is the other big challenge that we're all facing into. Um, I think it's probably going to play out probably worse than what we're all fearing, and, that, and we can't see that getting any better. Your government are sort of saying, well, innovate away with robotics, but that's not that's not here now. That is that is medium to long, medium to long term. It's a long way away, you know. So we can only do so much. So there is an immediate issue now around labour for sure, an immediate issue around cost inflation. And Steve's right. We just people need to start listening because it's really real. Okay, so you you see that the sector needs help in the short term on that labour issue. That's that's the that's the big one. That's the burning fire that so needs to be. I don't downstairs. see them helping us. I think uh, they've, they've helped the poultry sector. They've, they've helped the, the, the pig sector. We've, yeah. we've had Victoria here. She's got a, a fresh produce background. She was named after an apple variety. Surely they're going to help us. Well, when the NSC asked us what we thought, and we all told them, and what we told them ended up being true, they still haven't changed anything to help us. And we've had the, the Conservative Party conference recently, which has now got a new term of uncontrolled immigration as if it's a bad thing. It. Yep. I just don't see help coming from them. Yep. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's the slightly Scottish part of me. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, that's why we love you. But, but, but on that basis, if, if that's not going to happen, the, the, the plan is, is just to, what, cut, cut back? Um, as we've seen with some great greenhouse growers because they can't afford the gas in the short term, so just cut back and, and work way, so, way, way. We're lucky enough because we've got some degree of time to help us to get through the process. I think there are many other crops that are in a worse place than us. Yep. So we've, we've lost flexibility. That's the key issue. We'll get everything picked, we'll get it packed, but flexibility and the, we've built our businesses saying yes and being responsive and having completely just-in-time supply chains. Yep. Yep. We've lost that flexibility. Yep. And that's where the, the labour shortage is really biting. Yep. Okay. So come on, gentlemen, let's finish off on a positive note. We're, we're about to go off to the dinner, which is going to be fantastic. Thank yeah. you very much for being sponsors for the National Fruit Show for um, Sarah Calcutta and her amazing team. What's your favourite apple that from Worldwide Fruit? Well, it's easy, it's jazz, hands down. Jazz. <laughs> yeah, so a bit predictable, but it's jazz. But I'd also like to say, second is Rocket, third is Smithson, <laughs> fourth is Kissabella, <laughs> and fifth is Pink Lady. So those five there. Yeah. You can never take the salesman out of the salesman. No, Excellent. Not. Gentlemen, thank you very much and we look forward to the dinner. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate.